Yes. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. <laughs> Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, my friends, uh, today uh, we are going to go to the mailbag and uh, take a look at some of the uh, interesting comments that people send to me. The first one, a guy sent me an article, and uh, the name of the article is Three Reasons Investors Prefer Real Estate. Now, there's no title on this article as to who wrote it, but on the very back, it says rental housingjournal.com. So I'm going to give credit to rentalhousingjournal.com as to where this came from. However, I can't confirm that. It goes on and says three reasons why investors prefer multifamily investments over the stock market. And I'm just going to follow each one of these and give a little comment if there is anything that I think is important. First one is number one, lower volatility. Stocks can have a volatility that's not found with most private placement offerings. Real estate provides a long-term cash flow, provides passive income and promise of appreciation. Not very well stated. Real estate provides a long-term cash flow, provides, there's no comma, provides passive income and a promise of appreciation. Boy, I think that's a run-on sentence, guys. I guess just because you write for a journal doesn't mean you know how to write. Whatever, based on that, uh, yes, it does offer all three of those. And the way I like to talk to people about real estate compared to the stock market volatility is this. Think about having a guy threatening you to take everything you own. He's got a gun at your head, and he says, if you don't give me what you own, I'm going to shoot you. Your chances of getting out of that situation are next to none. You can't outrun that bullet. And so you're scared to death that this guy can take it all, and you probably will take it all. That's the stock market. Now let's look at the real estate market. The real estate market is like a guy threatening you with a train. You're standing at the tracks, and the guy says, hey, if you don't give me everything you have, I'm going to run you down with the train. Now, no doubt, being run down by a train would kill you. 
And if that is equation to be equal to taking everything you own, you could lose everything in real estate. But the difference is you see the train coming down the tracks and you have the opportunity away from the tracks and not get hit by the train. So when the market goes crashing down, you don't have to sell. That's not a necessity. Just step away from all the insanity. Don't be a part of it. In fact, in every recession since I got started in real estate investing, every recession I've ever been through has been the best time for me to buy real estate. Because why? Because you can see the train a-coming, and the people that don't get off the tracks get hit. They get destroyed. Then you go in, you pick up the pieces along the track, put them back together, and boom, you're wealthy. The last recession I went through, which is 2008, I quadrupled my net worth. Actually, I tripled my net worth, but since then it's gone up even more uh, because it's just keep rising. There has not been another real dip since 2008. It's been up, 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 up. And so the bottom line is the volatility is different, totally different than the stock market. Number two, your gains can be deferred. If you sell a property that you invest in and put the proceeds towards purchasing a similar property, your capital gains taxes can be deferred to a later date, which is called a 1031 tax deferred exchange. During this process, a qualified intermediary will hold the proceeds from the sale until the money can be transferred to another property. Engaging in the 1031 allows you to avoid 15 to 20% long-term capital gains tax. Now, you avoid it until you finally decide to sell something. You could avoid it and continue to avoid it all the way until you die, in which case your family would receive your income. At that point, it would be received in a tax stepped-up basis, which means they would receive the value of it, whatever it's worth today, and then they'd start depreciating it. And all of the money that you didn't pay for taxes for through depreciation, all the money you didn't pay for capital gains, on all of this ownership of this real estate, as long as you've been doing this, just disappears. All those taxes disappear. That's why the Biden administration right now and the law they're trying to pass wants to do two things. One, they want to eliminate 1031 exchanges if they can. And two, they want to eliminate the inheritance provision that allows for people to inherit the properties at a stepped-up basis, meaning that all the taxes that were never paid by this individual, their entire lifetime ownership of this property that they've deferred, just go away, just disappear. So we don't know if these two provisions will actually withstand the next 12 to 24 months of the Democrats trying to knock them out. But they have been there ever since I started 30 years ago, and they're a very strong uh, provision. Number three real estate can be used as a hedge against inflation. Over time, the value of a dollar increases as a result of inflation. While the value of currency will inevitably increase over time, the rate of inflation isn't always consistent. As inflation rises, the cost of everything goes up, including real estate. When property values increase, the property owner can charge more for rent, which ensues. All right. So first of all, again, whoever's writing this article is pretty dumb. Cash does not go up in value during inflation. It goes down in value. Real estate, on the other hand, goes up in value. So as inflation occurs, cash positions of any kind go down in value. Whereas asset-based decisions, most of which go up in value because they're inflating. Assets inflate. Dollars don't inflate. Dollars deflate. And so they got it wrong, but the concept is right is that during these times of high inflation, which we currently have, 5% inflation, the highest it's been for 30 years, during these times of high inflation, and could even be higher if they pass this $5 trillion bill they're trying to pass right now, 
in times of high inflation, real estate is going to just blow it out of the park, knock it out of the park, whatever saying you prefer. And why is that? Because we're buying real estate on current low-cost dollars, and we're leveraging an asset that we don't even pay for. It's on debt. And that debt is in current dollars. In other words, if I borrow a million dollars of debt, it's a million dollars worth of debt. As inflation occurs, that million dollars becomes worth less because dollars deflate, unlike this idiot who wrote the article. So as the dollars deflate, that loan becomes less burdensome. But at the same time, the asset is going up in value. Now, think of that. That's the best of both worlds. You've got debt that's deflating in your name, and you've got assets that's inflating in your name. I mean, that's just about as good as it can get for someone that's looking to get ahead in our society. So the government doesn't understand that, where they're taking all this money, these trillions of dollars, and spending it on service-based investments. That money will be spent, used, gone, and back into the pockets of rich people within no time at all. That money then will be used to inflate the cost of houses and apartment complexes and other big assets. As those things inflate, their prices will go up. As their prices go up, we will charge more for rent for people to live there because we have to, to cover the debt. But the debt will get larger. The costs will get larger. The value will be going up. So as you're sitting there owning real estate right now, it's going up in value. While everybody else's assets, right? I'm sorry, not everybody else's assets. Everybody's cash is going down in value. So what's the benefit? What do you need to do? You need to own some assets. That's all there is to it. During inflationary periods of time, you need assets. That's, that's the only thing that works. In a deflationary period of time, the dollar becomes strong has great buying power, and we've seen that where the dollar has gone up and had so much buying power that it was useless in other countries. Other countries hated it because we could buy everything they have for next to nothing as far as dollars. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. Political people get up on stage and they talk about, look, here's little Willa Johnson. Little Willa Johnson lost her job and welfare came in and saved her and and they got this and they got that. And, you know, and, and they go through a sales pitch for whether it is they're trying to sell. And every time there's a, a state of the union, whether Republican or Democrat, they bring on all these people and they celebrate their existence, right? And they tell their story. It's a parable. It's a nursery rhyme for adults. One of the greatest books I've ever read is called the richest man in Babylon, which is about 15 parables that teach you just about everything you need to know about money. So if you have not read The Richest Man in Babylon, you need to get out there and read this book. I guarantee you, easy reading, fast reading, great stuff, right? And once you've read it for yourself, then you have any common sense at all, you'll immediately turn around and have a family powwow and read it to your entire family. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsey Radio Show. Weekdays from 11 to 2 on Talk 1370, The Right Choice. 
Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. And if you're just tuning in right now, today is uh, hitting the mailbag. First uh, thing that came out of the bag was an article someone sent me about the three reasons why uh, investors prefer real estate over the stock market. Number one was lower volatility. Number two was gains can be deferred, so you don't have to pay taxes on your capital gains. And number three, can be used to hedge against inflation. Now, they've left out the most important one, in my mind. Actually, two of them, the most important. One of them is cash flow. The stock market doesn't give you any cash flow. You can't live off no cash flow. If you have capital gains, you've got to pull them out. If you pull them out to live off them, your amount of asset goes down. If your amount of asset goes down, your potential to earn more income goes down. In real estate, your asset is going up. It's appreciating. The mortgage is being paid down, so your equity is growing from both ends, both from debt reduction and from increase in value. But at the same time, you're pulling out cash flow. You're living off your cash flow. Now, the next thing that's important is when capital gains or whatever you take the money out of the stock market, that's a taxable offense. And you have to pay taxes on it, whether it's short-term capital gains or long-term capital gains. And by the way, short-term capital gains is ordinary income. Whatever it is, you're going to pay taxes on it. Now, let's compare that to real estate. And we'll talk about myself for just a second. Just, it doesn't mean it's any different for you. It's just what it is for me. And the reality is that I have businesses that I pay myself to work in. I pay myself to do these radio shows. I pay myself to do seminars. So when I work, I get paid to work. That's a service that has to be compensated as earned income. So in my earned income, I have to pay not only income taxes, but I have to pay Social Security and Medicare. Now, my company pays the other half of Social Security and Medicare. And since I own my company and all the profits go to me, I am, in essence, paying both sides of Social Security and Medicare, which means I'm paying 15.3%. Now, I'm in the tax earning bracket of millions a year, so I'm in the 42% tax bracket of earned income. And I'm also paying 15.3% taxes. So 42 plus 15 is 57% income taxes in Social Security and Medicare. So I'm taxed at about 60% through into whatever Obama secret taxes are in there. I don't even understand those Obama secret taxes. It's like a surtax of 2% or more if you make more than a million bucks a year or something, whatever it is. I don't know. So the bottom line is I figure I pay about 60% in taxes. On the other hand, on the real estate that I own, I have what we call depreciation deductions. Now, I own eight apartment complexes and six commercial buildings, so whatever that, all that depreciation adds up to, it is something that I can write off against my earned income. The reason I can write it off against my earned income is because my wife is a full-time real estate professional. And I used to be a full-time real estate professional, but I don't claim it anymore. But I probably could because all I do is real estate and a couple hours of radio a week. So the bottom line is, is that Whatever the reason is, because we're real estate professionals, we can deduct our passive losses against not only our passive income, but against our earned income. Now, let's just start with our passive income. If we could write it off against our passive income, we would take it against just the income we earned from our real estate and interest income and so forth that was all passive. Because we're real estate professional family, we can write it off against our earned income in addition to our passive income. So, 
the one apartment I talked to you about yesterday, just one apartment complex I own, my deduction the first year I got was like $700,000 worth of depreciation I got to put against my earned income. So the first $700,000 worth of my earned income, now forget about the de- depreciation from my other apartment complexes or my other buildings, but just that one building, that one apartment complex, is not one building, it's a whole complex. That one gave me about $700,000 worth of deductions the first year. So that meant the first $700,000 of what I earned that year paid no income taxes. Now remember, there's no, in passive income, there's no Social Security and Medicare, period. So that's out. That 15% is gone on all of my passive income. That's not earned income. It's passive. Secondly, on the stuff that's passive, I get to write off the first 700000 because of that building as a depreciation deduction, a phantom loss, per se, on your tax return. And so 42% of $700,000, whatever that is, I'm just curious. Let's take a look at what that would be. I didn't figure that one out before I got on here. Let's see, uh, 700000 times 42%. That's a $294,000 tax deduction, $300,000 tax deduction. Now, if I'd already paid those taxes in, I would get a check back for $300,000. Just in full disclosure, I think my check back from the government or my refund was like $700,000. So in other words, I had enough de- deductions to get back $700,000 from the IRS. Now, remember, I had to pay that in to get it back. So you say, well, why do you pay it in? Well, because on all of my business income, I owe taxes on it unless I have depreciation to cover it. So I have to pay in quarterly. And some people have to pay in monthly. I have to pay in quarterly. And so we do what is known as quarterly estimates. And I send all my financials from all my companies over to my CPA firm, the CPA firm that handles my my taxes. They calculate and say, Del, send this much into the IRS. And we send it in each quarter. But at the end of the year, when they do the tax return, they come back and say, okay, government owes you back $700,000. That's something you don't get in the stock market. I defy you to show me somebody in the stock market that gets back $700,000 in tax refunds. So you say, well, well, tax refunds, to me, that's income. That's money. Do you understand? No, it's not income. That. Don't say that because they don't want to tax you on your refunds. No, it is money. It's just as much money as anything else's money. It's $700,000 that is there that I have that I wouldn't have had. And you go, well, man, that's how much you get back from the government. I don't even make that much. I know you don't. That's not the point. The point is I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm telling you how to retire in two to five years, but I've been doing it for 30. So don't you think something that somebody can retire in? I've retired in two and a half years. If you can retire in two and a half years and be a millionaire, what do you think you're worth after 30 years of doing the same thing? Well, the answer is a lot more. So don't hate me for doing what I've told you to do for the last 30 years. If you would have listened to me for 30 years, you'd be talking about some massive tax refund also. You understand? So the bottom line is, This article underestimates, under-testifies to why people pick real estate over the stock market. They're not even close. Not even close when it comes to building wealth. It's unbelievably easier with real estate. Del Wamsley on how to live the lifestyle. Your brain is slowly turning to mush slowly turning to where you feel politically inclined. You have to be politically correct. You would have tried to pull the stuff they're pulling right now 10 years ago and people would have got up and just shouted them down. And there's the same number of white and black and Mexican people as there was white and black and Mexican people before. It's just 
people have become politically correct. They've been scared into it. Oh, my God, if I don't do the right thing, then they'll send people to shut my business down or they'll they'll get me kicked off the air and blah, blah, blah. And that, they will. That's the power they're using now because they're not the minority anymore. They're the majority. And so they use the majority to control the message. Believe it or not, the message that comes out of your mouth is the message that goes back into your head. And whatever you get up every day and tell yourself, that's what is reality to you. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Walmsley Radio Show. You've got to hear this. Catch Talk 1370 in crystal clear HD and 95.5 HD2. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are diving deep into the mailbag and uh, the next email comes up here. says, I'm planning on coming to the two-day workshop this year, but I have no savings and I'm curious if cashing out and refinancing is a good way to get started. And he goes into uh, his background, a lot about where his money is and so forth. And he's stating that, you know, we have interest rate 2.875 on our loan, but we can refinance again within six months and pull out $130,000 to invest in multifamily. So he says, with the membership, how quickly could one expect to retire starting with around 130k to invest in multifamily? Or do you think single family would be better start? Well, let's start with this. Real estate investing is not a panacea. And over the years, from 2008, we were able to get two, 300% rates of return. Our rates of return now, because the prices of everything have gone up because of inflation, even with the lowering of interest rates, our rates of return have compressed. And so, realistically, the rate of return that I was explaining to you the other day in the deal that I've just recently done is looking at cash on cash return of 6 to 10%, and we're looking on uh, capital gains rates of about 30% a year, or basically, I had a 90% capital gain increase over a three-year period of time, so I just averaged it out to 30% a year. Those are just numbers that I recently experienced, and um, I had another deal that I was a part of that we recently experienced the same kind of growth, same kind of income, same kind of growth. So. Speaking to the people around me here at Lifestyles, that seems to be the general, you know, consensus about what we're able to see nowadays, which is quite a bit restrained from the fact that a deal I did way back uh, in 2009 and 10, I bought in 2008 or 9, sold in 2010 or 11, and uh, we made like a, you know, ungodly amount of money. I think it was a 300% rate of return on the deal. So it's, um, it's quite a bit different. But uh, looking at that, let's take a look at um, what we have here. The guy says he's uh, making $140,000 a year. So the first thing you have to do to try to calculate how quickly you can retire is to get rid of the taxes because we don't pay taxes on the money that we earn if done correctly in real estate. And so $140,000 a year in combined income between him and the wife really equates to taking home only $84,000 a year or $7,000 a month. That's the first thing you got to do to calculate your rate of, you know, how soon you can retire. The next thing you do is you say, okay, with $84,000 a year necessary, what is the smallest amount of money you could have and hit that? And so I took a 10%, which is the top 
of the line, that would be $840,000. It would take a 10% return on $840,000 to get to $84,000 a year. Now, the fact that some deals only return 6 to 10% means that it might take more than $840,000. So you have to take a look at that. Now, the next thing you do is you say, okay, let's look at the compounding effect. If you have $130,000 right now and it goes up by 30% a year and 6 to 10%, in cash flow, we'll just take um, a moderate six. Eh, let's take eight percent. Doesn't really matter. Take ten. Make it easy. Numbers rounder. So that means thirty percent capital gains, ten percent cash flow. That's forty percent a year. So the hundred and thirty is going to take two and a half years to get to double. So the hundred and thirty in two and a half years goes to two hundred and sixty in 2.5 years, and that 260 goes to 520 in 2.5 more, and that 520 goes to 1,040 in 2.5 more. So we've got two, four, six, seven point five years. You're looking at 7.5 years of growth to get that $130,000 up to a number around a million dollars, and a million dollars at even 6%, at 10%, it'd produce 104000 a year tax-free. At a 6%, I'm just a quick number here, clear 1,040,000, times 0. 0.06 at minimum, 62400 You're talking about somewhere around seven and a half years to get you to a number that you could probably survive on. Now, by the way, the 84000 you could also cut your cost of living a little bit. A lot of people do that right before they decide to retire. One of the things they find is if you stop working, you don't have all those go-to-work costs. So that gets it out of it. But what I want you to understand is two things. One, when you calculate and how long it's going to take you to retire, first of all, take out the taxes if you're doing it with real estate, doing it right. And then number two, just look at what the rate of returns are that are currently available to you. Now, in the future, those might go back up again. There might be another crash. And if there is, and we can go out and get an unheard of returns, then those numbers will change. If and when that happens, we'll tell you what we're finding in the marketplace today. Next one says, inflation questions from your radio show. I heard your radio show today and the new inflation numbers. I'm contemplating the same outcome regarding multifamily, and I have two questions for you about the impact of inflation on single family. Number one, investors who buy single family houses are probably more insulated from inflation than multifamily since they have multiple exits, right? They can sell to an investor or continue to collect rent, or they can sell to an owner-occupant. In theory, wages will have colas and adjustments and rent and home prices will eventually reach an equilibrium. Okay, I have no problem with that statement as far as being as safe or safer than multifamily, if that's what he's asking. That's true. Houses will inflate, though, just as fast as apartments do. But the difference is you can get a 30-year mortgage on a house and you can only get a 10-year mortgage on an apartment. So he's even more right about the safety of single family in that if you go in there and lock in a 30-year mortgage, even if interest rates go back up because of massive inflation, your interest rate's not going up because it's locked in for 30 years. That's the difference, and that's the safety in single families. That's why when I started with single family, I knew I could buy a house, and I had the same note for 30 years, whether costs went up, costs went down, rents went up, rent what didn't matter, my payment was the same. That's a very, very secure position to be in. That's the way my commercial real estate is. I have long-term leases, 15-year leases. The income is guaranteed for 15 years, and uh, it could actually lose if inflation goes up, 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 up my rents are actually being deflated down. So it's, a, it's an anti compared to the single family rent houses where that rent goes up every year. 
Number two, inflation should disproportionately add to real estate investors' wealth since the down payments are made in today's dollars and inflation occurs on the underlying asset that is leveraged four to five times. So investors should consider the gains from inflation on cash-on-cash basis, particularly when considering single-family homes since they have multiple exits. It's even better than what he's saying here. It's not just the down payment that's current cost. It's the debt. The debt is bought at current dollar value. As inflation occurs, the debt's actual value goes down. You owe less real-time dollar. You own less value. As the value of a dollar goes down, the value of the debt goes down. Yet, as the value of the apartment or house goes up, the value goes up with the inflation. So it's a double-edged sword, both working for the investor and against everybody else. Let me see if I can get a short one. Here's a short one. It said, hey, Dell, I think you should put Steve on the radio. He's a good person. The interview on the radio, his complex is an area that are very familiar with. It's between Shepard and Laird, just south of Piedmont. At one time a few years ago, that area was number one crime area in the precinct. Now, however, it has changed. It says, thanks. The crisis is over, COVID, of course, but rather the government lockdowns and the mandates they used for COVID as an excuse to enact. Our income is at an all-time high, and we've only evicted two people since the lockdown. I guess that's a message he sent out to his investors that Steve uh, had done a great job on this. And uh, like it says, they made their money. COVID didn't stop them. They only evicted two people since the lockdown had ended. Great news. And by the way, we're 96, 97% occupied in my apartments, and we have no delinquency, zero delinquency. I know other people do have delinquency, but that's because they put bad tenants in. If you don't put bad people in, good people will pay, and if they can't pay, they'll leave, just out of their own personal common sense and or decency. Now, many people that have common sense and decency will come to you and work out some kind of a payment plan until they get back on their feet. And we've done a few of those, not many, but a few. And the bottom line is we had no problem with that because we have no delinquency because of the way we did workarounds on these deals. So, my friends, when you hear something like that and you've got these big fears that the whole world's crashing, caving down, it is on poor people that don't have enough money to withstand or buy and maintain great real estate. Remember, our motto is best product, best price. People don't want to leave where they live if it is the best product and at the best price. It's not just the money, it's the lifestyle. Here's Del Wamsley. People try to pigeonhole me as that rich guy. I'm not that rich guy, but I am rich. But I'm not that rich guy. Because I I don't even wear a suit, I wear blue jeans, okay? I don't dress up except for special occasions, and even then I hate it. I'm not that rich guy. I want you to understand, I am you. I have gone through the pain you've gone through. That's why it's worth your time to listen to me. Because the only difference between you and me was I put my foot down to it and said, I'm not going to let this world continue to manipulate me. I'm going to start manipulating it. I'm going to win this battle. And I'm going to win this war. And that war is happiness in life. That's the battle, right? It's not out there to go take things away from people and be the bad guy. And What I found is that people don't even know why they hate rich people. They have no idea why they want to drag rich people down. If you talk to people, they have no idea. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show.
Joe Pag Show, tonight at 8 on Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are digging deep into the mailbag, coming up with uh, questions and stories. The next email says, I'm a huge fan of the show. I've been listening for at least five years now. I've recently become a member of Lifestyles. I'm working on trying to get into this today. My girlfriend is on board two. I currently own one single family rental. It's doing very well currently. I have a mortgage on my own home that I live in and also have a piece of property I bought for nearly nothing a few years ago. So I'm not new to buying real estate. I have perfect credit, a rather decent occupation as a welder, and I live well below my means. I'm also making sure I do what I can to reduce my monthly expenses significantly. My question to you is if there's anything I can do to get closer to acquiring my next investment property before getting into the next two-day event, or is the two-day the only way to get to finding good deals? You know, this is a, a, a very typical thing. This is a very, um, what's the word for to say, successful in that this gentleman is taking a lot of really good steps. I like his whole diatribe of what he's doing, what he has done. Uh, he's taking a lot of good steps. But unfortunately, as he states here, all those steps are things you can get by listening to the radio for five years. And you can listen to our radio show and other radios, shows and podcasts, and you can look things up on the Internet. But the bottom line is, until you get into our two-day, you're not going to understand the in-depth information. Now, you notice I didn't call it secret information. It's not secret. Uh, It's not something that only we know in the world. It's something that I have taken over 30 years with help of thousands of people using it, utilizing it, perfecting it, distilled down into something that you can assimilate, that you can understand in a two-day period of time. In other words, I'm taking 30 years' experience and cramming them down into two days that you walk away with so much information that your parents don't have, your CPA doesn't have, your attorney doesn't have, your broker and real estate agent don't have. These are all of the minute details, but more importantly, the minute details arranged in an order that makes it understandable. Think about if I took all kinds of paragraphs from all kinds of math books, accounting books, science books, real estate books, law books, tax books, and I took one paragraph out of each of those books or 10 paragraphs out of each of those and mixed them all together, and you were just reading all this unrelated material, you probably would not be able to assimilate the crossover the utilization of these different ideas in the same action step in the way you would by coming to the two-day. People say going to the two-day is like drinking out of a fire hose. The amount of information is overwhelming. Many people take the two-day two or three times, in fact. Many people take it again even after they've been successful just to refresh what they've forgotten and or to look at anything new we stuck in there that has changed. Information is so important. Successful people live by this belief. They live by the belief that you're a lifelong learner. And uh, J.B. Durham is the one that coins that statement all the time, but I really love it because it's true. My entire life, I've read books, read articles, stayed on top of changes of everything it is that I am interested in. In fact, 
I started losing weight again, and I went back and started watching videos, YouTube videos about how to lose weight and how to bodybuild and how to. And I've been doing this not for 30 years. I've been doing bodybuilding for 50 years since I was 15 years old. And yet, even today, at 65 years of age, I'm 64, going to be 65 in a month. Even then, I see things and go, man, I forgot more about bodybuilding and losing weight than I remember. And seeing it again, just boom, re-inspires it. But then you see new stuff, or you see somebody that is able to explain it in a more profound and clear manner, and it makes it just come alive. And that's what has to happen for you to be able to come out of the blocks and get the kinds of results that our members get. He goes on, he says, I'm really wanting to get into multifamily as soon as possible, but I want to know if you think that's too much for someone in my situation at this point. Hey, we don't know what your situation is until you take the two-day. You have to look at all of the variables. And during that two days, we will break down those variables, that point to which way you should start. Even then, sometimes it just takes sitting down with another person that's done it and asking really personal questions about where are my goals and how do they align with my fears. Your goal may say, I want everything and I want it now, but your fear may say, but I'm not willing to take the risk to make that kind of gain. In which case, you've either got to go with your fear or you've got to go with a balance of fear and pleasure. Everything in life is motivated by either pain or pleasure. That's a Tony Robbins quote. And also, he says that you'll do 10 times more to avoid pain than you will to gain pleasure. So unless you're a type A personality who doesn't even care about failure, you're going to be not focusing on gain. You're going to be focusing on what do I have to lose by trying this? And so you've got to balance that fear out with enough positives and enough assertions of safety. And that's what the two-day does. It shows you why what we do is safe, how to do it so that something that this profitable is also safe. Three rules. Rule number one, never lose money. That's my favorite rule. Rule number two is there's got to be cash flow. And most people start businesses with zero to negative cash flow. And rule number three, you can't get rich slow. Everybody's told your whole life you can't get rich quick. That's a lie. When you make seven, eight, ten million dollars a year, you're getting rich quick. But you're not going to get to that if you actually believe you can't get rich quick. Del Wamsley on how to live the lifestyle. You want to put more life back in your day. And that's what I'm here for, is to help you do that. But to do that, you have to understand what you're doing that you're not even seeing. In fact, you might even be taking this concept too strongly and becoming a workaholic on top of a workaholic and trying to buy and flip and rehab houses and doing all this stuff. And I tell you, don't do that. That's not real estate investing. That's real estate working. And that's not what I'm about. I'm not about more work. And I'm not about more money. I'm about working less and earning the same amount or working less and making more. My friends, remember this. Whether you're doing it for the money or not, the most important thing to remember that the reason we do this is for the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you 
you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.